I feel like dyslexia is an absolute God-given, brilliant gift as well as ADHD. But at the time, I didn't feel like that. I had so many horrible messages that I say to myself that I've thought about myself. And I wanted to go back and get down on one knee and put my hand on this little boy's shoulder and look him in the eye and say, man, you are brilliant. You are beautiful. These things that that we struggled with when you were younger are now actually gifts that people pay us for to come and share and connect and just give encouragement and inspiration to. So you are a champion. Nothing inside of you needs to be fixed. Nothing inside of you is broken. Welcome to Tilt Parenting, a podcast featuring interviews and conversations aimed at inspiring, informing, and supporting parents raising differently wired kids. My name is Debbie Reber, and I'm the host of this show. And my guest today is Jonathan Oliver, who goes by the name of J.O. J.O. is a personal development coach, motivational speaker, author, and a coach for stay-at-home dads. After struggling greatly through his school years, J.O. was diagnosed with dyslexia and ADHD as a young man. With a better understanding of himself, he learned to use what had been a source of great struggle as a catalyst for growth, seeing his diagnoses as the two best gifts he has ever received. Now a husband and a father, J.O.'s mission is to help parents and families, particularly stay-at-home dads, redefine family according to what works best for them. So in today's episode, we get into J.O.'s mission work as seen through the lens of a differently wired dad who is looking to break stereotypes, help dads become more connected parents, and inspire other parents to consider the way their narrow differences can be used as strengths to bring to their parenting. And now, here is my conversation with J.O., Hey, J.O., welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me, Debbie. I appreciate it. Yeah, I'm looking forward to having this conversation. I don't have a lot of dads on the show, but I know that we have a lot of dads in our audience and our community, and it's a perspective that I think is important to share. And I think you have a really unique story um, that also our listeners would find interesting. So I want to kind of go in depth into your personal story, but... Before we do that, could you even just give us like, you know, the the elevator speech, the you know, the quick description of, of who you are as a speaker and, and a writer and a dad? Oh, appreciate it. Absolutely. So I am a professional speaker. I used to speak with an organization particularly called Rachel's Challenge. And that's unfortunately the first person to lose a life in the Columbine shooting on April 20th, 1999 was Rachel Joy Scott. So for 250 days out of the year. I was on the road traveling as a speaker in schools and families and communities. From there, I transitioned to becoming a stay-at-home dad. I written a book before that called Impersonation for my journey from boyhood to manhood. Then I decided to write a book about my experience of being a first-time stay-at-home dad. So that book is titled Joy in the Journey, First Year Chronicles of Stay-at-Home Dad, named after my oldest daughter, Journey. But in the meantime, I have always been known on this book about dyslexia and ADHD that I just had to birth out to really feel like I was sharing my honest wholeness with the world. And that's what I'm, I'm in the process of launching right now is to the little boy and me learning with dyslexia and ADHD. So I'm a stay at home dad of two beautiful daughters, Journey and Justice. I'll be celebrating my 10 year wedding anniversary on May 1st. And um, I'm a guy that, that has a lot of positive great things going on in life that I'm very fortunate to have. What a great introduction. And congratulations on the 10-year 
uh, wedding anniversary coming up. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah. And I didn't realize that your speaking was surrounding uh, that foundation related to Columbine. So that must have been really powerful, important work. Oh, absolutely. Now, with that being said, uh, I speak beyond that. Like just last week, I did a presentation to a group of athletes about suffering to become stronger and I'm doing a leadership speech coming up. So I'm a quote unquote speaker, but my main focus for six years was with Rachel's challenge and the 20 year anniversary unfortunately is coming up this Saturday on the 20th and talk about having an opportunity to wake up every day and take a tragedy and turn it into a triumph was absolutely amazing. And uh, it was one of the highlights of my life. And I still sometimes want to go back and, and be affiliated and speaking for the organization. But right now, my first priority is being a father and really grooming and shepherding my, my two daughters' journey in justice. So you wrote this book, To the Little Boy and Me, Learning with Dyslexia and ADHD, which I had a chance to take a look at and kind of get to know your story a little bit. Can you tell us first why you felt it was so important to share your story? The first thing for me, right off the bat, it was therapy. It was it was therapy. I have a great therapist, but I've always been a introspective type person. And I I tell people, for me, I, I often carry three people inside of me. I carry a little boy that likes to be spontaneous and have fun and play and be creative. I carry a present man that can capture the moment of what's happening in, in the moment. And then I carry this old man that's kind of wise and helps me kind of guide myself through life and, and not make too many foolish decisions. But the little boy has experienced the most pain. He's been isolated, abandoned, uh, neglected, felt dumb, stupid, broken, not right. And I wanted to go back at this stage of my life where I feel like dyslexia is an absolute God-given, brilliant gift as well as ADHD. But at the time, I didn't feel like that. I had so many horrible messages that I say to myself that I've thought about myself. And I wanted to go back and get down on one knee and put my hand on this little boy's shoulder and look him in the eye and say, man, you are brilliant. You are beautiful. These things that, that we struggled with when you were younger are now actually gifts that people pay us for to come and share and connect and just give encouragement and inspiration to. So you are a champion. Nothing inside of you needs to be fixed. Nothing inside of you is broken. And I wanted to just pick him up and put him on my shoulder and just walk out and just feel this connection with him. And that's where I am right now. And then in the process, share that with other people that may have those same messages going in within about themselves or they know someone or or just, just to share that with the community or families or corporations as a whole. Well, it's so, you know, I feel this so deeply when when you talk about connecting with your younger self. I mean, it is so powerful. And I it's really interesting right now where we are as a society, you know, by the time I don't know if this episode will air before or after um, this other one, but I, I recently spoke with someone about how so many adults are being diagnosed now, um, or identifying or learning more about who they are because of what they're going through with their children. But there is a mourning process that happens for so many of them, you know, connecting the dots and having to go back and consider pain that or trauma, you know, that they suffered as children, because of their needs not being met or just being misunderstood. So um, I think your message is so timely. And could you tell us, I know that you your ADHD uh, identification happened recently, I believe, but would you tell us about your dyslexia? Tell us a little bit about your 
discovery of that and how that that came about and how was that received in your family and, and in your school? So I'd say the kind of the bottom line, the whole process, I wasn't diagnosed with dyslexia until I was a junior in college, a pre-med major, and I was graduate and I graduated from high school with honors. Um, my whole academic career was just a grind. You know, I've always been a very large kid. So I, I tell people sometimes, you know, I'm, I'm literally six, three and a half, 225, 230 pounds. And I was that in high school. So I, I love being around my friends and being in the hallways and playing sports and that whole just camaraderie of excitement. But when I walked into a classroom, I became the quietest person in the class or the most distractive person in the class because I did not want to be called upon to read out loud or anything where I was going to have to share some type of reading or, or, or connection in that regard. If it was talking from my heart or giving a, a synopsis or something, oh, that's in my wheelhouse all day. So standardized tests, tests in general, spelling, things of that nature, it was just agonizing for me. But I I just grinded, grinded and worked really hard. And when I was in school, you had to pass this standardized test to graduate from high school. And it was called a toss test in Texas at the time. I didn't pass this test until I was a the last semester of my senior year in high school. And I was at the time a, a AP uh, advanced placement student. So here I am taking a math part, the sixth time, the reading part, the eighth time, and the writing part, the ninth time, struggling on this exam. I finally pass it. I get to college. I am taking genetics for the second time. I get so frustrated because I've studied everything that I could ever imagine on God's green earth about genetics. And here I am about to take this test for the second time. And it's the exact same test I took the year before. And I'm about to bomb it. So I flipped this test over and I wrote everything that I've ever studied about genetics on the back of this test. Professor calls me to her office a couple of weeks later and she just says, J.O., why didn't you write what you wrote on the back of the test on the front of the test? You would have been the only person in the class to have aced the test. I think you may have a learning disability. Well, here I am playing college football. I'm a man. I'm big. I'm quote unquote strong. I don't have a disability. That's a sign of weakness. So after about three weeks of hemming and hawing and doing research and kind of skimming around this person's office, I went in and she did a bunch of diagnostics, tests and things of nature on me. And the great thing about this lady, unfortunately, she's passed on, but she knew me from taking a reading remitter course to even be accepted into college to prove that I was college material. So she, I already felt safe around her because I, I had a, a connection with her about a month before I started college. I went in and she did all these exams. And three weeks later, I, I, I meet with her and she has a smile on her face like like it's Christmas morning. <laughs> and she says, I know what's been going on. And I go, please tell me. And she says, J.O., you're dyslexic. And I'm about to start crying because I literally looked at her and I said, I only have one question. Am I stupid? Mm-hmm. And she said, J.O., you may be the most intelligent person I've ever met in my life. She said, you can become an astronaut if you want to. The only thing that you do is that you learn differently. She said, let me tell you how smart you are. She said, you're so smart that you have innately taught yourself to learn. You have provided for yourself systems that if you would have been diagnosed earlier, these would have been the same system we would have given you and you taught them to yourself. And then my next question was, is that what Theo had on the Cosby show? Because that's exactly what he had. (laughs) I forgot about that. And, And from there... You know, I felt like 
I felt like I was Cuba Gooden Jr. at the bottom of the ocean and man of honor trying to put something together in the dark while my hands were shaking crazy. And all of a sudden the ocean just lit up and, and all the pieces just flew into where they're supposed to go. It began to click. Well, fast forward six years later, I'm working on my dyslexia book, the one that we're talking about now. And I'm meeting with this lady named Gladys Klinoski. She's a leading researcher for the Scottish Wright Hospital in Dallas, Texas on dyslexia. And she says, J.O., I bet you drive your wife crazy, huh? I say, well, it is our first year of marriage, so I can imagine I do. <laughs> and she goes, no, I'm talking about what's your ADHD. I say, what do you mean ADHD? And she goes, you haven't been diagnosed? And I go, no, I've never been diagnosed. Go, oh, well, 43% of people that have dyslexia have ADHD. You may want to get diagnosed. I got diagnosed and guaranteed right on the money. Test I never had to study for by pass of flying colors. And I, had, I had ADHD. And it all began to click. And I said 30 years old. So I was nine years ago. But I still, Debbie, carried this shame with me. So just because I knew the answers and I knew where I belonged, that it was a name for it, I still hadn't got these messages out of my head. So within the last, I say, three years, I've gotten to the point, and one of it was writing a letter to myself. In 2006, I wrote a forgiveness letter to myself, and I addressed it, Dear Jonathan Oliver, and I wrote this letter about all the hangups and habits and and shame and and stuff that I carry with myself, and I gave myself permission to have grace and compassion and forgiveness towards myself so that I wouldn't have to carry this around. I started that healing process, and then that just kind of catapulted me into the whole completion of the book and, and where we are right now. We'll be right back after this quick break. So in our house these days, Darren and I have been working together to up-level our nutrition and healthy lifestyle habits. Maybe it's our age, our changing bodies, my shifting hormones, whatever the reason, I'm here for it. And that's why I'm loving Green Chef, a meal company that makes eating well easy with plans to fit every lifestyle. Green Chef offers gut-friendly recipes each week and is committed to providing a holistic approach to nutrition by offering meals that contribute to the overall well-being of your entire body. Darren and I are particularly big fans of their nutrient-dense, science-backed gut and brain health recipes, developed in partnership with registered dietitians that improve digestion, reduce bloat, and also boost energy and immunity. This week's favorites? turkey, black bean, and sweet potato chili, and the Baja chicken bowls with mango salsa. I mean, don't those sound delicious? But if that's not your thing, you can choose from a variety of customized meals to suit your lifestyles with preferences like keto, vegan, vegetarian, fast and fit, Mediterranean, gluten-free, and protein-packed. Whatever you choose, you'll get farm-fresh ingredients, organic whole fruits and veggies, and premium proteins, along with chef-crafted, nutritionist-approved recipes delivered straight to your door. Go to greenchef.com slash 60tilt and use code 60tilt to get 60% off plus 20% off your next two months. That's 60% off plus 20% off your next two months when you use the code 60tilt at greenchef.com slash 60tilt. Green Chef, the number one meal kit for eating well. This year, I've been working on becoming more attuned to my body, and so I'm starting to really recognize how periodic spikes in anxiety or disruptions to my routines can seriously throw my whole system off. And as I've been traveling a ton this past month, which is both disruptive and somewhat stressful, I'm especially glad that I have the extra support of Symbiotic Plus, a three-in-one supplement from Ritual with clinically studied prebiotics, probiotics, and a postbiotic to support a balanced gut microbiome. Symbiotic Plus provides fuel to the cells that make up the gut lining to support a healthy gut barrier. 
And it comes in this very cool minty delayed release capsule, which was specifically designed to help survive the harsh conditions of the upper GI tract for delivery to the colon. The bonus is that the capsules don't need to be refrigerated, so I can easily bring them with me in my carry-on. On a personal level, I love that Ritual is committed to sustainability. They're a female-founded B Corp, meaning they are holding themselves accountable long-term to not only think about their company's financial health, but also the health of people and our planet. There's no more shame in your gut game. Symbiotic Plus and Ritual are here to celebrate, not hide your insides. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash tilt. Start Ritual or add Symbiotic Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash tilt for 25% off. I love this idea of, of writing a letter to yourself. I think that can be super powerful. What other ways have you found to, to heal that, that pain, you know, that, and, and to, um, help the child in you who was never understood kind of feel seen? So phenomenal question, by the way, this is a great question. I say this jokingly, but I say this out of complete honesty. What I used to get in trouble with for and struggle with as a kid is what I get paid for now. Mm. Be quiet, sit down, stop moving. You have too much energy, all these things. And and no knock on my teachers, okay? I, I the, Where I am in my life is because I had three teachers that particularly believed in me. You know, I had a second grade teacher named Mrs. Dodge who made learning fun. So I knew that it was possible to have fun while you were learning. I, I had a, a, a AP chemistry teacher when I was a senior in high school that was not amused when he knew I was wearing the class clown mask. And he would simply just kind of pull me to the side and not shame me and just say, Oliver, I think you have more to offer that you're not giving us right now. And then I had a AP uh, English teacher that has passed on who said, when you get to college, she already spoke into my life places where she knew that I was going to go beyond where I was at that present moment. Just she, just that little message of when you get to college connected with me. So you know, Abraham Lincoln once said, I didn't try so hard because I believed in myself. I tried so hard because I didn't want to let the people down that believed in me the most. And these are my big three that I knew that believed in me when I was on academic probation and things of that nature. But where I am now, where I give back is, you know, I'm a speaker. So dyslexia is a superpower for me because literally I'm a visual learner. I'm an audio type person. So I, I connect with stories. I'm a storyteller. That's a gift that when I speak and share with people, that resonates with them. That leaves an impression with them. With an ADHD, I have this energy. I have this just charisma to, to light up the room and to, and to bring this type of connection and this passion. And, and it, it can easily be felt across this phone as we're speaking right now. As I'm talking, I'm literally walking around in my office right now. Well, guess what? When I show up to speak to 3,000 people, they're not paying me to stand behind a podium. <laughs> they want me to come and speak as if I'm speaking directly to them. Well, I'm going to move so much in our room, not wasteful movement, but just in movement in general, that you're going to feel that, you know? And, and the cool thing is when you're a stay-at-home dad, you got two kids under four, ADHD is a pretty cool tool to have. <laughs> <laughs> Say more about that. How does your How is your ADHD a superpower as a stay-at-home dad? Oh, my goodness. My daughter... My three-year-old, three, my daughter Journey, which is one laps around the living room, just comes the energy that she has. We 
we wake up and we do things. We 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 get things done. We have fun. We have adventures. We we go places. We try different things. You know, we start out with affirmations in the morning, but we we just have excitement and learning and experimenting. That I know that I have this this energy that can connect with them on that on that level, and it and it shows in the way that daddy and daughter have this bond together. My, my wife is a is a scientist. She's a, she's a cardiologist. So I often tell people she work on the heart. I work in the heart. Hmm. And and she she doesn't say this like I'm not saying this when I say this about her on a cockiness and air because I'm saying this because I've heard her say it and it's out of love and, and, and appreciation. She's like sweetheart, you were designed for this role of being a stay at home dad. She's like this is your calling. There's no way that I could do and have what you have with these with the kids, the way you interact with them. That's that's my ADHD. Now, do I struggle reading Dr. Seuss? Absolutely. Okay, I'm not going to read Dr. Seuss. I, I struggle reading books and things of that nature. But when we're going and we're having that connection and I'm multitasking, but still trying to be a mindful parent. So I got a bottle being warmed up. I know a nap time is getting ready to happen. I got a diaper being changed over here while I'm also knowing the troll music has been playing for the 15th time in the background. And <laughs> um, I'm getting ready to defrost some food so I can cook dinner around four o'clock in the afternoon. When all of that is happening, I'm not flipping out. I'm not like overwhelmed. I'm in my normal element. But with somebody else who may not have ADHD, and I don't even like the D part of it, disorder. I like to say challenged at the end of it. They may walk into that environment and be like, it is too much going on here. I need a break. Mm-hmm. Where I walk into the environment, I'm like, okay, well, once I get that done, then I would do this, and then we'll do that. And then I also told Journey that I'm going to read this book with her. And then I promised her after she wakes up from quiet time, we're going to watch Dr. McStuffins. And then, yes, and then I want to make sure I have the house in a certain way. So when my wife comes home, she doesn't have to feel like the house is a disaster. Okay, cool. It's Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. I love that. I'm just curious uh, if you have any hacks. You know, I, I, I'm always curious about when when people make their or you know just embrace their uh, neurodifference as a gift. But also, you know, I know with ADHD in particular, a lot of people have formulated their own systems and hacks that kind of make the difference work for them. So, do you have oh, any? I have tons of them. Uh- so uh, right now, when I when I write for writing, for example, when I used to write, I try to write like Ernest Hemingway, worst <laughs> thing ever, worst thing ever. And then I transitioned to writing like I speak it to my iPhone and I was send it to myself and then it, it, then my, my wife would dictate it. Now I advanced to where I would literally do a video into my iPhone of what I want that chapter to, to be. And I'm literally speaking it out as, as I, as if I'm writing it, I send it to my assistant and she just transcribes it for me. Changes the game completely. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a master calendar that I'm looking at right now in my office. If it's something where I need to have a, like a time meeting, like right now I knew we had a time meeting that's boxed in yellow on my master calendar and then and the number is is kind of boxed around in, in a highlighted yellow. If it's where my nanny's coming, that's in pink. And then I I bleed that over to my actual iPhone, but I know where I can look at things right then and there. But those are just 
you know, simple little little things. Now, I will say this. There are challenges with being ADHD. You know, I, I lose lip chap all the time. I'm always misplacing my keys. Uh, Sometimes my wife and I, I wake up at four o'clock in the morning to work out. There are times if I, if I approach my wife too early and she haven't had coffee and I'm asking her what she dreamed about the, the night before, she's like, look, you need to chill. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, it, it, it can be a lot. You know, I've, I've lost, I've lost $300 before in my wallet because I bought something and I misplaced my wallet and I went back to the place where I misplaced my wallet and my wallet was there and the money was gone. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. it's times when we get ready to leave a table or a restaurant or something. My wife would say, do you have your wallet? Do you have your phone? Do you have your keys? Do you have your credit card? Okay, cool. Because I've lost, I've left my, this is an old Blackberry, the old one with the little pearl in the center. I left it on a outside patio table after we finished eating in South Beach, went back to where we were staying, realized it 35 minutes later, went back and the phone was still in the same spot because the table hadn't busted yet. Oh, that stuff happens all the time. Yeah. And it's, you know, so... But for the hacks, the biggest one I've learned, and this is the one that's the most tender to me, is to give myself grace. Like to really give myself grace. To, and, you know, and, and I'm a visual person, so I have quotes that are taped around my mirror when I wake up in the morning. One of them is, if today was a day you, you were going to die, well, you want to do what you're about to do today. You know, I, I, I give myself grace to to be careful because before my feet hit the ground, if I'm not mindful, I will already start playing that negative tape that I'm not enough, that I'm not, I'm not this, I'm not that. And I've given myself enough grace to say, you're amazing. I love you. You're brilliant. You're doing great things. You know, breathe, be nice to yourself. Now, if I'm doing something boring, like an expense report that I know I don't want to do, I'll put some classical music on in the background, some instrumental music on in the background work on my report while the music is kind of playing. If I'm right working on a project and I know I'm going to get overwhelmed pretty quickly, I might work on it for 15 minutes. Get up. Go do something more exciting. Come back and then go work on it 15, 15 more minutes. And then I might find myself in a rhythm and I look up and I've been working on it for 45 minutes. Um, I don't try to read a whole book in a day anymore, which I never could anyway. <laughs> I just read. Now I've just got to the point where I read five pages at a time. If I read more than five, cool. If I don't, I stop. Because I used to get so I got books that I've been wanting to read forever, and I haven't. The only reason I've been struggling to read The Alchemist for the last eight months, and I think I maybe got fifty pages to go. So, just give myself grace. Just you know, give myself some grace. Give myself a hug, some encouragement, and and when I do that, I show up better. I show up better for this for this connection that we have right now. I show up genuine. I show up compassionate. I show up with love and and nurture versus sarcasm and, and criticism and and um, anger and frustration with myself. When I show up like that, it shows up in my marriage. It shows up in my parenting style because I have no patience. And it shows up with the way I interact with, with people in society because I'm, I don't have any mindfulness of what they may be going through. We'll be right back after this quick break. Hey there, it's Debbie. I love making this show and sharing conversations about how to support our awesome neurodivergent kids. I've seen how even one little insight from an interview can spark a big shift in daily life. But I know that raising complex kids can be messy and lonely. And just when we think we figured it out, something comes up that boots us right back to feeling overwhelmed and stuck. 
That's why I've poured everything into creating a way for parents like us navigating complex parenting journeys to join together and chart a path that feels positive, hopeful, and doable. It's the brand new Differently Wired Club experience. In the club, you'll get personal support from me and other seasoned parent coaches, six live calls every month where you can connect and get your personal questions answered, the opportunity to learn directly from authors and experts like I have on this show, monthly themes for getting specific and tactical, an exclusive private podcast feed, and the best, most generous community of parents. Seriously, these folks show up for themselves and each other, and that right there is really everything. Because it's a daily reminder that we're not alone, our kids aren't broken, and we have totally got this. The recently rebooted Differently Wired Club is on a brand new platform with its very own iOS and Android app. It is such a great space. However you learn, whatever your style, no matter the ages, genders, and neurodivergent profile of your children, the Differently Wired Club can help you cultivate the positive shifts you're hoping for. Join us today by going to tiltparenting.com slash club. That's tiltparenting.com slash club. I hope to see you on the inside. Well, hey there, busy mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not gonna tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it but I will give you practical and more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free. Yeah, I I love the... I love that. I mean, that's, that's a lot of what we talk about in the till community is just that intentionality, you know, and setting that intention every day. I go through phases where I do an affirmation first thing every day. I think those things really do make a difference. Those rituals and routines can, can really help set the tone. And it doesn't mean that we are going to have a flawless parenting day, but just setting that intention and knowing that that is our highest goal, uh, I think can really, can really just help in all aspects of our life. So I love that you do that. I will, I will say this just briefly. One of the things I started doing about five years ago, and this is for, for the listeners, every morning I wake up and I have what my intention is for the day. And I send it to 10 people, including my wife. That's what my intention or my prayer is for the day. And every night before I go to bed, I send to those same 10 people, 10 things that I'm grateful for. And it's the way I start my day and I book in my day. And I do it almost every single day, except for probably on Saturday and Sunday, because I don't want to make it like a legalistic type thing. That, that right there has changed my whole mindset of, mm. of being, finding something to be grateful for. And then lastly, my great grandmother taught me this when I was a little boy, I'm talking like five years old. Every day, except for on Saturday and Sunday, because I don't want to make it a legalistic thing. Every day I make up my bed. First thing I do when I get out of the bed, mm-hmm. because no matter what happens throughout the entire day, at least I can say I got one thing accomplished. Even if I take a nap late on in the afternoon in the same bed, I still make that up. 
before I go throughout the rest of my day. And that's just who I am. And it makes a big difference on starting my day with one positive movement by just making my bed. Love that. So funny. You know, as you're saying that, I'm thinking <laughs> on, day, on days, I, I too really like a nicely made bed. And on days when I don't make the bed first thing, I often, if I had a crazy morning and I then left the house and I come back and then dinner, you know, and life goes on, mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm, 10 mm-hmm. o'clock, I go in my bedroom, the bed's unmade, I will often make it just so I can get in a nicely made bed that gives you a little window into the, into my mind. Um, But, (laughs) but I love that. Um, I love that starting it with that, starting your day with that. Um, I want to ask you one question before we kind of wrap up too. So I'm curious to know, you know, how your family responded to this information, um, you know, when you were identified as being dyslexic and ADHD. Um, I'm curious about that because I'm wondering if your family felt any sense of, oh, gosh, we missed this, you know, what that was like. And then also as an African-American man, I know that in the African-American community, there is a, you know, more stigma or not as much trust of certain diagnoses. Um, and I'm just so I'm just wondering what your experience was like in, in those um, situations. Two phenomenal questions. First, I remember telling my dad when I was in junior, and um, and, and keep in mind, you know, dys- dyslexia is hereditary. So mm-hmm. I probably got it from one of my parents, and I can pretty much tell maybe it was more likely both of them, but probably more likely my dad. But with that being said, I remember telling my dad in Walmart parking lot when I was in college, and he just kind of had this, and I got this from him. He's like, okay, like, and we're just going to keep on growing, you know? That was his response. Um, my mom, we just talked about this three weeks ago, and she was listening to some interviews I've done about the book, and she called me. And she just said, I feel like I let you down. Mm-hmm. I feel like I, like I, like I should have noticed. And she, I can tell she was so – my mom – I'm a mama's boy. She has three boys. I'm the middle child, so I, I grew up watching Oprah with her, so that's why I'm very <laughs> introspective. So um, – and I just told her, I said, no, mama, no, you didn't let me down. Uh, you didn't. You didn't drop the ball. This is the way it was supposed to happen because I couldn't have a testimony if I didn't have a struggle, and so she kind of felt like she had let me down. And I write about her in a book how she worked so hard with me, reading and and, and helping me truly be nice to myself. Going to the African American community and the, just the black black community, as I would say, you know, when I say the word therapy, that can you know. It, it's not a lot of people that I know. Of. I've surrounded myself with people that I've gotten older now. When I was growing up, you didn't talk about therapy or going to therapy as a black person. It was like, what? Why do you want people to know your business? Why do you want to share that that type of stuff? And unfortunately, also, it was a lot of sometimes jokes made about, you know, if so-and-so, quote-unquote, had ADHD. It was like, you need to go somewhere and, and sit down and take your medicine. And then taking their rid- rhythm yet or something like that. That's why they're bouncing off the wall. So there's a lot of shame and sarcasm put behind it. And I think it was not because it was intent to truly hurt an individual or even myself. I think it was because it was a lack of true understanding and knowledge. And that and that kind of left a gap on just speaking kind of from the cuff without really understanding the weight was what being said. And I do feel like even now there's a stigma behind dyslexia and ADHD because 
it could be implied that it may be a lack of education or intelligence behind it. And you know very well that that is the complete opposite as well as the listeners. But if you're not familiar with that, you'd be like, oh, you got dyslexia? Okay, then that explains a lot. Well, what do you mean by a lot? Because actually it explains that I'm pretty much a genius. But <laughs> so, so I think that that would be my, my response. You know, it's now where I am at almost 40 years old, there's still a lot of cringe in certain environments when you mention therapy. You know, my wife and I have a marriage therapist. I see a therapist. But truthfully, these things are part of the toolbox that allow me to show up and be the better version and the best version of myself that I'm, I have to offer the world. So that's that's kind of my response to that. That's a great question. Well, I love that too. And, and I think it's so you just being in, you know, you're writing about your experience, you're talking about it. And that's how I believe all this change happens. That's how we change these preconceptions about certain diagnoses or, or, or therapy or any of these things. It's talking openly about it without shame and normalizing it. So you're doing really important work. So one last question before we go. I, I, I'm curious because your work is, uh, you cover so many different things. You're, you're really trying to support stay at home dads. You, you, you're sharing your story about your learning differences to help other people. Do you know what your big kind of why is in the world? Like how, you know, if you could leave a legacy or change people in, in, a, in one way, what would that be? I often say this life is what you're born with. Living is what you do with it. And I'm choosing to live. I love it. So, okay. Tell listeners then where they can connect with you and learn more about your work and your books. So the best way to get in contact with me is through my website, JonathanOliverOnline.com. I do a great job of keeping my website up to date. It has links through all of my uh, social media uh, involvement and outlets, as well as what's happening for his events coming up for his speaking, things I've done in the past, podcasts and things of that nature. So JonathanOliverOnline.com. My big, hairy idea and goal is for this book to the little boy and me learning with dyslexia and ADHD to become an Amazon bestseller so that I can get this positive message out into many hands as possible so that that little kid, that mom, that parent, that dad, that neighbor, that coworker, don't have to feel alone, don't have to feel stupid, don't have to feel like they're broken and need to be fixed or something's wrong inside of them, but that they're brilliant and that they're beautiful and that they're wonderfully made. So uh, that's one one reason I wanted to be here with your listeners, because I want to get this message out as much as possible. Well, thank you for sharing it with us today. And listeners, I'll include links to J.O.'s website and to his uh, book that we discussed, To the Little Boy and Me, and other resources we talked about, of course, in the show notes page. So you can just go to that, which I will leave the URL at the end of this. And go connect with J.O. And, and find out more about his work. So thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us today and, and sharing your journey. It was a moving conversation, and I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you for having me on as a guest. You've been listening to the Tilt Parenting Podcast. For the show notes for this episode, including a link to J.O.'s website, books, and all the resources we discussed today, visit tiltparenting.com slash session 160. 
Don't forget to leave a rating or a review for Tilt Parenting in iTunes if you haven't done so already. Ratings and reviews help keep this podcast visible in an ever-growing sea of podcasts. Thank you so much for considering. Lastly, for the price of a coffee at Starbucks once a month, you can support the production costs associated with this show. It's easy, it's pain-free, and I would be grateful for the help. If you would like to support Tilt Parenting and this podcast, please go to patreon.com slash tiltparenting for more information. And that's all for this week. Thanks again for listening. And for more information on Tilt Parenting, visit www.tiltparenting.com. Are you overwhelmed by the things that get in the way of you doing what you want to do? Are you looking for ways to simplify life to better align with your values? Do you want to create space in your schedule so you have room for more of the good stuff? Play, joy, relationships, gratitude, and more? If you answered yes to any of these questions, I invite you to check out Edit Your Life, a podcast to help you edit the unnecessary from your life so you have more room to enjoy the awesome. Through episodes with me, Christine Co., and a range of super smart, compassionate, and thoughtful guests, You'll come away with big picture insights and practical ways to declutter your home, schedule, and mental space without getting bogged down by perfection. I have always believed that small moments and actions matter tremendously. My goal is to help you find agency and space in your life through doable baby steps that will leave you feeling accomplished instead of overwhelmed. Check out Edit Your Life wherever you enjoy your podcasts.